Hello and welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we got in store today? Hey, Adam, today we have with us Blake Holmes and Blake runs point on our residency and our fellowship, which is uh, basically our efforts to train up the next generation of uh, pastors and Christian leaders and is also um, one of the only there's three of us here at the table. I think the only one who probably graduated with honors from Dallas Theological Seminary. It's kind yeah. of a big deal. Or at least the only one that will remind you that he graduated with honors. <laughs> oh, he, he was asked, just to be clear. He's not, not bragging. Why do I volunteer to do this? This is what we do. We bring our esteemed guests on the show and we insult them to start off. <laughs> it's, just, it's just part of it. So uh, Some circles, welcome. sarcasm uh, and abuse is love. And um, at least verbally. I feel that. I feel <laughs> so, that. Thank you. Uh, we're just trying to tell you that we love you, man. <laughs> Uh, well, great. So today, and kind of the topic is how to help um, yourself or others discern what's next. And so, Blake, I know when you, um, as part of the residency and the fellowship, you have a lot of 20-somethings that are asking what's next. And so you're probably going to speak to them. Uh, but Adam, I know like as a, as a pastor, as a leader, that's a conversation you have all the time with tons of people. And, uh, you know, anytime you get an email, can we get together? Can we grab a cup of coffee? A lot of times it's about people asking, can you help me discern what's next? And so even if you're not 20, uh, two, three, four, five, eight, um, this is still a relevant topic because you're going to spend a lot of time as a leader helping other people like discern what's next. Yeah. It's like the big mysterious question that everybody's wrestling with is what's God's will for my life. And, uh, you are on staff at a church and I think you're going to help me figure that out. You know, more Bible than me, you're older than me. And I bet, I bet you're going to be able to help me figure it all out. And so Blake, uh, so yes, as pastors, we all have this conversation all the time. We've all sat across from others in our twenties that did, you know, we were asking these questions. So it's not like, uh, we somehow got out of this without ever asking these questions. And Blake, how many times a year do you think you have questions around, or excuse me, how many times a year do you think you have conversations around what's next for me? Too many to count, and especially this time of year because we're in March. Yeah, and um, our residents and fellows are graduating soon in May, so they are they're living this right now. They are thinking, "What is next?" And they feel the pressure of, "Hey, I've got to decide. What am I going to do? What am I going to do?" And so, what I try to do is have them just take a deep breath, relax, because all of them are trying to ask the question in such a way as they're trying to find the perfect job. Yeah. And uh, what is the Lord's will for my life? And they're, and they're looking for the unicorn, right? Yeah. It just doesn't exist. And there's a lot of things they could go do. I try to take the pressure off and just say to them, hey, look, I think God's will for you is more like a circle than it is a dot. Yeah, that's good. Right? And um, you just take the pressure off. And the the best place to start is just start with what are you passionate about? And you mean meaning circle, you mean somewhere inside this circle, not that you're running in a circle and chasing <laughs> right. your tail. Right. Yeah. Thank just you. Just to be clear. Thanks yeah. for clarifying that. Yeah. There's a wide circle yeah. of things you could do, yeah. right? There's a wide circle of um, opportunities out there and you don't have to go try to find the dot. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I think a lot of times that just gives us freedom. You know, when you start with, instead of looking for the dot, if you start with, hey, what am I passionate about? Like, what would I be willing to do for free? Seriously, like, what would you be willing to do for free? What are the things that when you do them, you feel the pleasure of God? You know, to steal yeah. a line from Chariots of Fire to date myself a little Amen. Um, or, uh, um, you know, what are, the, what are the problems that you want to work to solve? You know, you start there. And um, how God's wired you, what you're passionate about, what gets you out of bed in the morning. And uh, I think when you start there, you at least have a general direction. Yeah. So when you ask that question to somebody, let's just, let's just use a, uh, 
prototypical 20 something and you're asking them, hey, what are you passionate about? Do they know exactly and they start going, oh, I've got these five things, I've written them down, or do they just start talking in circles potentially and say that they like everything, they're passionate about everything? How do those conversations usually go? Um, well, it depends on who you talk to and how self-aware somebody is and kind of um, how much thought they put into this, but typically they're going to tell you they're passionate about everything. Yeah, right. So I just remember um, you're making fun of me being in seminary. I remember when I was in seminary, I'd walk into the bookstore and I was passionate about everything. I wanted to learn everything. I was excited. I was there to learn everything. And I felt like, oh, in four years, I'm going to graduate and I'm going to understand all of this. Yeah. I wanted to read every book. But the reality is, as time went on, I recognized that, um, you know what, I'm probably not going to be an expert in every one of these areas. And as I learned what I was good at, what I enjoyed, um, what I was um, affirmed in, you know, re the reality is it, it went from I'm excited about everything to one area of the bookstore and there is a section. And I kind of go, you know what, I'm finding myself here more than more often than others. And um, and. And then it kind of got to the shelf, if you will. Yeah. And I just go, hey, I appreciate and respect what everybody's contributing here. But given my wiring, my temperament, my passion, I think I've kind of narrowed my focus a little bit. So um, I try to, the best thing I could do is, is to listen. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday and I just said, hey, don't let somebody make this decision for you. Yes. I want to just repeat to you what I think I heard you say. Yeah. And I think that's what, we can really offer to people is not to dictate, but to listen and re help them hear themselves. Yes. Hey, this is what you're saying you really mm -hmm. enjoy doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when they come and talk to you, it's almost like you're listening to their journal mm -hmm. and you're trying to read through their journal and just see the threads and see the themes and the patterns and just try to go, hey, here's some things that I'm seeing. That's right. In there. And so, John, you know, I, I remember specifically sitting down with you probably in my late 20s, maybe even early 30s at a Jimmy John's. And I remember the question I asked you, and I remember you kind of scoffed a little when I asked it, and uh, and I understand why now, because it was, you know, what what job do you think I should go pursue that will have the biggest kingdom impact possible? You know, it was just so narrowly focused, and I just thought you were going to be the sage that gave me this amazing answer, and uh, and you were so kind to me though in that, and that you you laughed a little bit, and then you just you just got in the box with me and just yeah. and just talked through it. So when when people come up to you and they start talking about all they're passionate about or ask those questions, what what do you do? That's it. Well, I think I think it's just helpful for them to know, um, or you as a guide, um, it's it's helpful to help them understand that's where they are on the journey. Yeah. And so you think about this as like a big funnel, and they're at the top if they're if they're younger, and I mean. Uh, Blake said passion. I would also say interest. They are passionate and interested in everything. Yeah. Everything uh, is of interest and they're excited about everything. You kind of can't uh, you, and won't uh, live your life there. You will continue to as as just the days click by and you have more and more experiences, uh, more affirmations uh, from others. You will find the thing that uh, the things uh, increasingly that you are passionate and interested in. And then, you know, when it when it works well, uh, then your gifts and your role, all all that um, kind of overlaps and you got this really beautiful Venn diagram and that's, that's where you live, but nobody starts there. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, we struggled with that. We're a little bit older, but I see especially millennials, you know, just kind of paralyzed because they don't start out, 
uh, or they won't start out until they've found the one thing they should do. Right. And it's never, or I would say very, very rarely uh, the path, um, you know, it, people start somewhere and, and they begin to hone their, um, their passions and their interests. But what's interesting, a lot of times when people tell the story later, right, they'll tell the story 30, 40, 50 years later, they'll make it sound like they knew they knew when they were 23, this was the thing they were going right. to do. And it really is revisionist history. They've mm -hmm. forgotten that they were at the top of the funnel and they just started taking uh, steps. And now, now at 55, uh, they go, Oh, it's, it's so clear to me. What well, is clear to you now? I, I just, it's been my experience. It's rarely clear at the top of the funnel and you need to know where you, where you are. Yeah. And so it sounds like what you guys are saying in this, one of these first questions, when people come up and ask you about what's next is really, you're trying to get them to start a process of elimination. So mm -hmm. if you're excited and interested in everything, well, now we need to start running after a few of these things. Cause my guess is that list will get shorter and shorter when you start living in some of those realities. Yeah. So let me comment to that just in regards to the Watermark Institute is that when people apply, we ask them to share with us, Hey, what are you interested in? What are you passionate about? What do you see yourself doing 10 years from now? And then as we listen to their goals and what, where they ultimately want to be, we try to align them and set them up to work with a ministry team that um, shares that same sense of passion. And so, um, if you are interested in all things external focus, you're going to be on the external focus team. If you want to be maybe uh, a teacher within the local church, you might work with the equipping team and so on. Um, but what I really encourage all of our fellows and residents to do is not just work with their team. Uh, and that will give them a lot of experience for sure. But we have what we call ride along experiences. Yeah. And a ride along is just simply somebody outside of your team. Another ministry director says, um, let's say you're working with students and somebody on the marriage team says, hey, I'm about to meet with a couple who's considering divorce or is in conflict. Anybody want to come with me? Right. Well, what that do, what that does is it gives you exposure to what else is going on. And it might ignite within you like, whoa, I, that's exciting. Or I never knew that my gifts could be used in this particular context. And so um, I encourage people at a young age, hey, you want to say yes to all those opportunities. Yeah. Say yes, get experience, get exposure. Don't limit yourself. Quit trying to find the, the dot, yeah. right? Try on as many pair of shoes as you can, and then you'll put one on, you go, now that is a comfortable pair of yeah. shoes. Yeah, and so some ways when I've done this, uh, had these conversations, What's been helpful, I found, is to get folks to stop thinking about their 10-year plan or 20-year plan right. and start thinking in 12-month increments. Right. So just say yes to something for for 12 months. Now, I'm not telling you to be uh, flaky and noncommittal. You got to be clear about some of this, but that's that's the best way. You got to get out there and try a few things. And so quit trying to figure out your 20-year plan mm -hmm. and just focus on, all right, Lord, what's, what's one thing I can go do right now that seems to line up with what I know now of my passions and interests? And let me just go try that on for a little bit. That's so. right. And I think that passion is going to ultimately point to your purpose, right? Yeah. Um, you need to just remind yourself, hey, First and foremost, we want to love God, right? We want to love God. We want to love others. And the goal is to be faithful. That, that's the goal. If I'm the equipping pastor, if I'm the community pastor, if I'm serving students, there's some, one of those is I'm going to be more in line with my gift mix probably, right? But the first priority is I want to love God. I want to love others. I want to recognize I'm a steward of the gifts he's given me. And I want to be faithful, right? That's, that's what I want to do. I want to be faithful. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to recognize that what I do is an expression of my worship and gratitude for what he's offered and done for me. 
And then that's going to, I think, as I relieve the, the pressure of finding the perfect job yeah. and pursuing, um, some of these, these things are going to play out. So John, how did that play out in your life? How did you see even some of that process of elimination work for you? You know, it's interesting. I, I think a lot of times I, I will look back even now and go, I've always been passionate about marriage. And it just wasn't true. It just was not true. I was passionate about my own marriage. That That is true. Yeah. Um, but I was not passionate about the job I was given. I was thrown into it. And like Blake said, it was inside, you know, God's will. Like I wasn't, you know, hacking computers in foreign countries. Like I was about the things of God. So was, that's within the circle. Um, and I actually found out by accident, that's something that I'm really, really excited about. So that at the macro level, I think it uh, part of part of the path was stumbling. Yeah. So you, um, you didn't get to choose, Hey, I want to try marriage ministry on for a while. That was kind of forced on you. Yeah. And you just said, I'm going to be faithful here. And then guess what happened? Right. Wow. I, I kind of like this. Right. this. I'm good at this. I, I will say too, I, I did like the, the, the part of my role now where I help other churches, that's something I've always been interested in. You talk about passions and interests. That's yeah. something I've always been interested in. I was too young and uh, probably too dangerous to be doing that <laughs> yeah. now. So I just, I just, the, uh, you know, God needed to work uh, in me before he worked through me, uh, which is the case in every, uh, in every, say that again. Every, yeah, I, I want to I mean, make sure people hear that. Yeah. That's just that, that always, no matter where you are, uh, God needs to work in you before he works through you. That's and great. so it, there was pride and just a lot of, you know, just a lot of stuff that God, and it still is obviously, but uh, it would have just been very detrimental if, and as a young man, I was able to work and somehow coach guide other churches. That would have been a very, very bad thing. So part of it was I needed to kind of work, uh, work that out. Um, and, but I would say one, one other thing, uh, Adam is I tried as best I could to pay attention to the things that gave me life. So yeah. Blake, Blake said, you know, uh, what would you do for free? What would you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And, uh, when I was, you know, and I didn't do this very often, I know some people who are militant about this, they will go down and write, um, you know, write somewhere, maybe an Evernote file every time they really, really felt alive. And I mean, other than just climbing a mountain and being on vacation for two weeks, but like, you know, in a day-to-day, -day, uh, scenario, they, and so for me, it was things like solving problems when, when people were stuck and they would call me in and I get to solve a problem that I just felt yeah. alive when uh, people were uh, working with an idea that was a good idea, but I could make it better or I could make it much bigger. It would just scale the thing. I felt very, uh, very alive when I could help things that were starting up, things that didn't exist and I could help them and play a role in helping them uh, come to life. I found myself very, very excited. Now, I don't think those things actually excite Blake at all. Um, you know, and, and, and in fact, many of those things like would demotivate him, but I knew that about me and I, I was trying to connect the dots along the way. And I get to do a lot of those things uh, now. So I think a big part of it is just paying attention yeah. along the journey. Yeah. For me, that was, I started at Watermark and I was helping lead our uh, young adult ministry. And you hired one of the best interns Watermark's ever had. Ever had. I think his name was, Legend. what was that? The stuff. It was, oh, it was Adam. It was you, Adam. Yeah, it I was forgot me. that. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I started working with the young adult ministry and also serving with our front lines team and just doing a lot of random things. But Rick Wisner was leading our equipping ministry. And from time to time, he'd say, hey, Blake, you want to help come teach a class for me? And I'd always volunteer. I'd say, sure, I'll, I'll go do that. And the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it, the more I liked it. And then, I mean, I think it was in a year's time. It wasn't yeah. long. And then it was like, hey, Blake, I think you should be over there. But the way I discovered that was by saying yes to things. Sure, I'll do that. And trying to be as faithful as I could be in those little things. And that gave me exposure and opportunities. That's really amazing. And I remember hearing that change when, when Watermark made that change that you were going over there. 
And Jackie and I were like, yes, of course, that makes so much sense, you know, and, and that's, that's, uh, that's interesting to think about that again. Yeah. So Blake's first point was, you know, you want to start with your passion and where we're at now is defining your purpose. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think, you know, as we think about giftings, I, I really do think there's this principle, the people of God will tell you, uh, what your gifts are, mm-hmm. right? They, they really will. You're, you're, you and your mom are a terrible judge of your gifts because right. uh, your mom will tell you you're amazing at everything. Uh, but the people of God. God will say, Hey, that was good. Like, I don't know, uh, if you see that, but that was good. And which generally, at least from my perspective has been something that also comes easy to the person. Right. right. So not, not that, not the teaching was easy, but I think you have an aptitude for that. And, uh, and you felt like, well, this is fun. This is easy. And the people of God said, Oh, you're like really, really good. Yeah. Or, or if they don't tell you directly, you're good at it. They call you back and ask you to do it again. (laughs) And that's their (laughs) way of saying you're good at it. And it doesn't mean it doesn't require hard work. I mean, I do enjoy teaching, yeah. but it requires hard work. And there's yeah. times where you fail and that's okay, but you have a will to keep going. And that does tell you something about your passion. Um, it does kind of point toward what your purpose is. Yeah. And um, I, I would in, encourage people as they start to think about, hey, this is what I'm most passionate about. I think this is the way in which the Lord's gifted me. Um, I don't think the spiritual gifts in scripture are exhaustive, yeah. right? When you look at the list, yeah. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. Um, but we recognize that God has gifted every believer. And so um, the church will lay their hands on you. If I could use that kind of language, they'll, they'll affirm that gifting. They will ask you, you'll have more opportunities as you pursue the Lord and doors will open, I believe. But what happens is, is I think you want to ask yourself, hey, who else shares in these same passions? Who else is on uh, mission, so to speak, who's yeah. passionate about what I'm passionate about and go get with them. Yep. Run and figure out um, who are the innovators in that area, um, who's already working on that problem and trying to solve that problem. And um, when you're around those people and they just, they energize you, yeah. right? The authors who are talking about that, you start to go, oh, wait a minute. Um, I'm, I think I'm onto something. So if you're helping people think through this, this question, then uh, one of the great things you can do is you hear about these passions is to think, who else can I connect this person with That's right. that is also passionate about that? That's right. So that they can go do what uh, informational interviewing in the book, What Color Is Your Parachute? Or What Color Is My Parachute? Whatever that one's been out for years. But that one, that's what he would talk about. I think one of the best uh, parts of that book is just this idea of informational interviewing. So all these ideas you have, go find somebody in that industry, find somebody in that ministry, find somebody who has that hobby too. And just go talk to them, ask them questions, start to gather some yeah. facts. And I think one of them is their, their path to get there. So that's the, you know, the idea of the kind of this principle of the path. And if you see someone who's doing something that you, you at least like think you would be interested yeah. uh, in doing, it's really interesting to know like what, how did you get here? Like what yeah. were the steps and everybody's journey is unique and you don't want to try to completely replicate. But a lot of times there's things that someone did that are, uh, that can be replicated to get to the place that they w- were, where at least you think that's where you want to be. And that's always a really helpful question. How did you get to uh, this place? And how did you know? What did you learn? What skills did you have to develop? What mistakes did you make? Because you're probably, if you're going to end up at the same place, oftentimes you'll take some of that same path. And that's a great question to ask. Yeah. And I remember when I was even contemplating coming on staff, uh, sitting down with Scott Kadersh, our friend Scott, and there was another older gentleman there, and he was helping us have the conversation to try to get me a, a good understanding of what it was like to be on staff. And I, I'll never forget that guy um, asked Scott, he said, Scott, tell Adam about what is really frustrating about your job. Tell Adam what a bad day looks like, because 
which is just such a great question to ask when you're doing that informational interviewing, because if you go in, you can go in with some confirmation bias and just ask all the good things. And you're like, yes, I thought it was awesome. You know, (laughs) they said it was awesome. They just sit around and talk about theology all day and drink coffee and read their Bible. And it's not, you know, what it is most of the time. And so even being forced to to ask, what are some bad days like? Because we know we all have them. What are the problems you're going to face? Yeah. You know, the reality is, um, and this is a funny way of saying it, but I like the problems I'm trying to solve. There you I'm go. energized by them. It's not overwhelming to me. It's challenging. It's um, It commands my attention. And um, I'm interested in working to solve those problems. So, are those are those like content problems or those people people problems? Both, really. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it could be theological to work out my theology, to understand it. It could be a passage of scripture. Um Hey, how, how is this passage um, meant to be interpreted? And even more importantly, how is it meant to be implied? What, what does God want us to know about himself? What are we to share with other people? It could be a skill, you know, of um, how are we going to solve certain problems in relation to um, training teachers, raising up leaders. So um, I, I, I like the problems I'm trying to solve right now in leading the Institute, um, teaching scripture, Such a great reminder for leaders now that are thinking about the people on their team. When you're delegating tasks or delegating out projects or you have problems that as a ministry you need to solve, watch your team. Who... Who gets a, a pep in their step, but going, oh, we got to solve this? Mm-hmm. Come on. That's great. Like, yeah. that's a really good, as you're looking for clues to help uh, the folks uh, connect the dots so you can lead and shepherd them well. That's a really, uh, a really unique way to look at it. If, if I could go back to what we were saying just real quickly um, about interviewing people, that information interview. Sometimes I hear people kind of going, yeah, that maybe is a good idea, but they, they get stuck, Right. And they don't feel like that's really a necessary step. And I would just encourage you, don't get stuck. That is a necessary step. You have no idea if you just go talk to that person, even if they they don't have a job, if they are solving problems you're interested in, if they share the same passion, if you go talk to them, you have no idea how that guy through talking to you may go, you know what? I have a friend or you should talk to this guy. Yes. That's what you want to do. You want to keep knocking and, and even if you, they're not hiring, so to speak, then you just want to stay proactive and um, don't let uh, yourself to kind of get in a rut. Okay. So, so how do you keep that someone's going to listen here uh, and they're going to, they're going to go talk to somebody and they're going to keep talking to them and talking to them and, that, and they're going to go, why do you keep talking to me? They say, cause Blake said I should keep in touch with you. So, <laughs> so how do you, how do you keep the phones from lighting up with these, with these guys that are frustrated uh, that someone keeps, you know, emailing them every two weeks. Like you got any tips for that? So if I wanted I'm, to get, I'm going to tell you yeah. how you can get a meeting with pretty much anyone. You ready for this, John? Man, are you, wait, wait, like, you could sell this. Like you could, book, you could do a book. pen ready. You could do, you could do a seminar. Yeah, thousand really bucks. simple. You're just going to give it away for free. I think I'm going to. Love it. Okay. Um, I've really found this to work. And so the problem is, is that most often people will call with a real generic, hey, can I meet with you? I just love to get coffee. Well, I mean, candidly amongst friends, that's not real compelling for me. I'm busy. I've got four kids leading ministry. There's lots of people I need to meet with on the team and within the church. But when someone calls with a very specific, Hey, Blake, um, I'm wrestling with this topic or this challenge and I have these three, four questions. And I would love just to have 30 minutes of your time and I will be faithful with your time. Here are my three questions. Would you be willing to meet with me? 
I mean, I'm telling you guys, I don't know when I've said no to that. Yeah. Yes. You know, and they send me the three questions. Here are the three questions. I'm going to be faithful with your time. I'm, I'm all, I've, yes. I've never said no to that. I've always said, sure, I'll meet with you. Sure, I'll talk to you. Because what they've done is they're not asking me to do the heavy lifting, yep. right? And have, Gosh, they've so done good. the heavy lifting <clears throat> and they've done their homework. They figured out how they think I can help. And what you want to do though, if you're the person to go have that time is at that 30 minute mark, you're done. And then what you do is, is you write them a thank you note a actual written, handwritten thank you note with these. a pen, John, you know, with a pen, you <laughs> write them a thank you note. I saw pictures of those before. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, but you, you, but you write them a thank you, you note. You tag them, you tag them with that. Something like that. <laughs> but you write them a thank you note. And I'm telling you down the road, if you reach back out to them and go, Hey, listen, I, this is, was really helpful for me. Would you mind if we get together again for 30 minutes? And I've got three more questions. I bet you they're going to be willing to do that. Yeah. yeah. I think too, I, I've heard, you know, a couple things. Um, you know, one, if you will send them something back of value, you, know, you can ask, Hey, is there any, any problem you're trying to solve, mm -hmm. you know, right now, is there anything you're trying to, and you go spend, you know, a couple hours, you know, perusing the internet or reading a book. Mm -hmm. hey, I just read this book and, um, which you're going to get benefit from anyway. Um, and just saying, I, I, I think these three things in this book, uh, would apply to, uh, what you're, what you're thinking about. I just wanted you to, uh, to have that, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that person absolutely, mm -hmm. uh, will, will return uh, your call, uh, next time. And so you, yeah, you want to, you don't want to be the guy that says, Hey, can we get together uh, so I can pick your brain? Right. No. That just, it, it's not compelling. And then, and they're busy people yeah, who you good. really want to hear from, they're busy and they don't have time just to sit there over a long coffee. And I've done that before when I've tried to help and I sit down and I just go, I don't know why we're meeting yeah. right now. Where's this going? Right. And it, it lacks any direction. Yeah. But so what I would say for people who are trying to figure out, Hey, what's next follow through on that advice that Adam, you gave is get that informational interview, talk to people, go talk to people, even if they're not quote unquote hiring, if they are the ones who are innovators, the ones you respect, the one whose team you would most want to serve on, go talk to them, get yeah. in front of them. And I think what we're saying in all this is just the process of figuring out what's next is an unbelievable amount of work. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we can, we can rail on the culture here for a second, the instant culture that we live in, where you can solve every problem with a Google search, mm -hmm. where there's a lot of us that are looking to have some shortcuts to figuring out God's will for our life and figuring out what's next. Hacks. And I think a lot of times that's when I know I was guilty of this. So I'll throw myself under the bus here and you guys can agree or disagree, or the listeners can agree or disagree. I was just, when I wanted to set those meetings, I wanted somebody, when I was in my twenties, I wanted somebody in my forties to tell me what God's will for my life was. That's just right. tell me what to do mm -hmm. and I'll go do it. But there's like some crazy power I'm giving you over my life right now to just, just tell me what it is. And they kept, the good ones kept saying, Hey, you need to figure this out. You need to figure this out. You need to figure I'm not going to tell like, you what to do. Yeah, I'm, but I don't trust myself. So okay. I need you to tell me, I want to do this in community. I don't want to do this in isolation. And it hit me probably about 35, 38 years old, which is nobody's going to give me the answer. I have to take ownership of this. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I know we've talked about this on the on the podcast we did, John, the episode on, uh, on self-leadership. Can you lead yourself? That fourth H, the hope that you have got to take responsibility for, for the hope and where, where you think things are going to go. And it takes a lot of work. The reality is nobody's thinking about this as much as you are, except maybe your mom, right? Yeah. I mean, that may be the only other person who's carrying this, this burden, but you need to be proactive and initiate. Yeah. And so John, w you know, let's say we do have one of these meetings and somebody says, oh, I know exactly what you should do with your life. 
Should we listen to that or should we be skeptical of that? I love that you brought that up because I was going to ask you both. Here's, I just wrote this down. Has anyone told you this is what you should do with your life and you don't think they were right? Uh, That's a good question. I would say for me, yes. I would say, I would say uh, someone that I trusted um, said, I think this is what you should do rather than playing the game that you were talking about. I'm not really sure, but let me ask you some questions and some things like that. They just kind of came really, really hard and said, this is what you should do. And I didn't, I didn't follow their advice, uh, actually, which was a good thing. And, uh, so is that, has that ever happened to yeah, you? Yeah, I, I think, I, I think I'm back to my early twenties, what really like my move from Atlanta here to Dallas was, that was a big time in my life when I was processing kind of what's next. And I, I'm grateful now. A lot of the advice was, I think you're moving in the right direction. That's good. So it wasn't, Hey, I think you need to go because I think one day in 2019, you're going to be on a church leadership podcast. And the only way you can do that is if you go to like, it wasn't specific or anything like that. It was very, very broad. So I don't think anybody, I think I've had times where people were trying to recruit me to a, either a different job or to a different role on staff where it was the proverbial, I love you and I have a wonderful plan for your life. Spiritual loss. Yeah. But I don't think from the you know, from the real serious, like, Hey, I think this is what you need to do. By the grace of God, it's been more, Hey, I think you're moving in the right direction. Which is a little bit about what the the situation I'm talking about. That's interesting. So a good learning would be, Hey, always be aware uh, when you're sitting with some, uh, someone that could somehow benefit from your decision. Yes. You just need to be aware of that. Yep. Like that right there was worth this podcast that, right here. That is so good. That's yes. Strong. And I've heard stories and I, I've got one in my mind where, you know, there was somebody who was going through the Institute and they were processing this decision and they came to me with a friend and said, I'm thinking about this. And they named another person on staff and they said, they told me they think I'm the future of that ministry. And I just, I laughed almost like you did when I said, John, what's the most important thing I can do for the furthering of God's kingdom, you know? And, and I was like, you're not the future of that ministry. Like that, that is so self-serving for the person to say that. And Make sure yeah. you give me the name of that person when this podcast is around. So, so in a, the other side of that then is a leader who's helping other people walk. And when we're toggling back and forth is the receiver and the giver. But as a giver, uh, you have to uh, remember to keep the big C church in mind, Amen. right. And the kingdom and which might mean you need to look at someone and go, I, I only lose if you do this other thing, but I, it's just pretty clear to me from kind of a kingdom play that this is something along these lines would be the next best step you have to. And if you find yourself holding on to talent or help holding on to people who will make your life easier, I, I, I think that um, we're in danger of hoarding uh, gifts that God's given um, to be deployed uh, around the kingdom. So you just got to be really, really careful. Yeah. Uh, if you know that's to be the case, when you sit down for a cup of coffee, uh, just ask God to help kind of reveal that and make sure you don't operate out of that. One thing I'd add to this conversation, as I just simply say, you need to surround yourself with people who are going to tell you the truth, right? I know that American Idol has been uh, so popular because you got the Simon Cowell character on there who's going to tell you the truth. Your mom told you that you could sing and he's going to tell you the truth. And we're all sitting there watching that going, how in the world did you think it was a good idea for you to be on this show? Oh, it makes great television. Right, it makes life. great television. Yeah. I mean, the guy's just terrible. Right like, just because his mom told him he could sing. Yeah. And so I think um, you need people who are going to tell you the truth. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, right? Um, but uh, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, the Proverbs say. And so just to have those that know you well, who are close enough to you, just to solicit their feedback, humble yourself enough to solicit their feedback and say, Hey, what do you think? 
Do you see me in this role? What challenges do you think I should anticipate if I were to accept this? And um, I think that's going to help you make a, a better decision as what's next. And so talk here, because I've heard you talk about this before. I learned this from you. Talk about Proverbs fifteen twenty two here, because uh, we've talked a lot about individual conversations. And I know you've got some things to say about uh, having a lot of one-offs. Well, what ends up happening is the mistake I think we make. We think in an abundance of counselors, there's victory. And so we assume that it's one conversation. I can go talk to you, John, then I could go talk to you, Adam. And really what ends up happening, and I can go get more friends. I'm the disseminator of the information. Yes. And I'm really looking for you to validate the plans that I have. So I'm going to tell you just enough that I think it's going to be pretty persuasive so that you're going to go, well, of course you should go do that. But in reality, I think the wisdom of that conversation is if I can gather the community of friends, those who know me well and would understand the inherent challenges I'd I would have in a particular role, if I get all of them together and we all share in that conversation that conversation is going to be much more profitable. It's going to be much more beneficial. And I'm not going to be able to kind of hide information. Yeah. Right. And so um, that helps me be more self-aware. And well. so now when I'm, you know, a young 20 something or mid twenties and I'm working under you and you're teaching me this principle. And then you remember my wife and I were making a major life-changing decision on, should I drop out of seminary and put what I thought was this plan on hold to go and pay off some student loan debt. And I remember you said, Hey, let's get a bunch of people together. And we sat in your living room. It was you and your wife and Jay Ranke and Brian Neitzel. Mm -hmm. And so you had a financial guy there. You had some uh, pastoral guys there. You had uh, just all the, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't sell anything. Right. All that's I could right. do was share. Right. right. And that, that's exactly that right. was so great to just go, these are the facts. What do you all think we should do? Cause I couldn't manipulate the situation. But what that requires though, and it's hard, it just requires humility. And I can tell the difference if somebody who's really looking for feedback versus just wants me to stamp their plan. Yeah, right. that's good. You can, uh, you can tell the that. difference. What a great story. I didn't know that story, but uh, it didn't surprise me about either one of you. And uh, yeah, we can triangulate. So that, I would say that if one person tells you you should or you shouldn't, uh, take it with a grain of salt. Again, the community of God is saying, hey, these are your gifts. It's super clear to us. And this is what we kind of think you should do, or we think you shouldn't. That that means a lot. So uh, Blake, when we talked about these four P's, you talked about passion, I talked about purpose, we talked about people. And the last one you had on here was pathway. So find a pathway that will allow you to contribute. Uh, what do you mean by that? Let's say that you are passionate about caring for the poor and under-resourced countries, maybe. Okay. Um, that's what gets you out of bed. Maybe you went on a short-term discipleship trip. You had a good experience. You have a heart or a burden to care for the least of these. Um, and you can't shake it. And so then what ends up happening is you start to ask yourself, hey, who are the people that are innovators in this area who are um, helping to solve this problem that you respect. And, you know, we can name, we can name some of those, you know, World Vision, Compassion International. And so what I would say is if their purpose lines up with what you're passionate about, right, then what you want to do is just get on the bus. That's what I would tell you to do. Yeah. Just yeah. get on the bus, whatever, um, wherever they have a need. Now it can't be obviously if they're looking for an accountant and you're terrible with numbers, then yeah. that's not going to work. Somebody's going to but, jail. That's right. But you you need just say yes. If there's an opportunity that lines up with something that you are willing to do and can do, and Adam, like you said earlier, you're not committing to 50 years. No. Just say, hey, can I do this faithfully for three years? Get experience. Or one year. Them, or one year. Let them get to know me, right? Um, I would say, 
get on the bus, say yes, and start working with them. And you'll be amazed what will happen in the doors that of opportunity that will open. That's good. As opposed to just kind of sitting around waiting uh, for the one perfect moment right. um, to line up, you know, the, the, this spotlight from heaven that says, do this. I, I just don't know anybody who's honest, who's had that experience. Um, yeah. Right. And when you're in your twenties, again, you need to try to experience as many of those opportunities as you can. And you're not going to figure it out what, oh, well, when I'm in my fifties, it's going to look like this. Yeah. Take the pressure off. Hey, can I do this faithfully for three years? This is what I'm passionate about. Um, and I, and I'm energized by the people that I'm working with. Cause I mean, you, you talk to most people in their fifties and sixties and you ask them, did you intend to end up here? Everybody kind of laughs and goes, ah, oh, do I have a story? Mm -hmm. You know, and there were so many twists and turns along the way. And you realize it's a lot of what we talk about on this podcast often. It's just steady faithfulness, right? right? Just just take the next step that makes sense. Hopefully communities around you agreeing. You're not doing anything crazy that That's they're right. all, everybody's scratching their head going, why are you doing that? And sooner or later you wake up and you start to put together a lot of years of faithfulness in a row. You wake up and you're like, oh, okay, this was the path that, that I was supposed to be on. And, uh, and it, it took me exactly where the Lord wanted me. Right. I mean, just to remind you of the Proverbs, right? Trust them with all your heart. Yeah. Right. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. Right. So you trust the Lord knowing he always has your best interest in mind and he's providentially at work. He's writing your story. And even the so-called mistakes, when you take the wrong turn, God is providentially at work. He hadn't forgotten about you. Right. And he can use those mistakes. He can redeem them. And that can become part of your story. Even the most painful aspects of your life can become part Amen. of your story of what he's using to redeem and how he's going to use you going in the future. So the beautiful thing in this is that, um, again, we're not looking for this mythical unicorn out there. We can rest in the sovereignty of God, his providential will that he has us. He always has our best interest in mind. His word is true. And he's, he's not trying to hide from us. I love the statement that I've heard Todd say so often that God is more interested in revealing his will to us than we are to secret. Mm. And, I, and I think that's true. John, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, you know, one, I was thinking about a resource that you have, Blake, uh, the Should I series. And so we can link to that in the, sh in the show notes. And um, so Blake did a two-part series on just how to think about the will of God when you're making decisions and things like that, which will probably dovetail really nicely uh, into this. Uh, and the second is just, um, just relax. <laughs> if you're in the middle, if you're in the middle of this, um, it, it's real to you because you're right in, 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 you know, this are, it's real to you because this is right in front of you. Uh, it's your life and it always, always, uh, you know, is, is a big deal to, to make sure you're, you're being prudent, but I think you can just relax. And on the other side of this, um, it won't seem like such a big deal. So just, you know, whatever that is for you back in elementary school, whatever you used to get wound up about, that's just hilarious now, right? Someone, you, you checked chocolate milk on the, on the forum and they gave you, you know, white milk and it wrecked your day. And which is just, you know, Hey man, that was like what you had to look forward to at that, at that moment. You know, that was the highlight of your day was chocolate milk. Someone took it away from you. It's it like it's just funny now, right? And the same the same principle will will happen here with t 
10, 20, 30 years from now, you look back and go, God I was so wound up and it's real because it's in front of you and it's all, you know, but it, it'll work out. And, uh, Blake, Blake's admonition, like, listen, just trust God. And, uh, cause he's always been with you and he always will. And you can just, you can just have faith in that. And that's part of the process. Part of the journey is learning how to trust God. And every leader that ended up somewhere, uh, had those same crisis moments internally, they're scrambling internally, they're, they're, they doubt themselves internally. They, um, they're wondering if God's going to get this right, or they're going to make a mistake that always happens. Uh, but they write the book about how I stood on the mountain and I had this clarion insight and I knew this is what <laughs> my life was supposed to be about. Um, and they just forgot the part where they were scrambling and, and they, they had self doubt and, um, and were worried. Uh, and that's, that's part of the process. Yeah. I would just say, remember the story of the old Testament when the Israelites are wandering in the wilderness, God provided me for that day, that day, that day's bread, right? They weren't to worry about tomorrow's bread. It was that day. In fact, if they were to hoard bread, Mm -hmm. right? Thinking, oh, I'm going to need this tomorrow because what if God's not going to provide? That would rot, Yeah. right? And then what God said is, hey, I'm going to teach you how to humbly depend upon me and he's going to provide for today's daily bread. And so trust him for that. That's great. Love having you in studio, Blake. Thanks for being here with us today. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, please feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.